It's Operation Babble with Mike Shrews. It's pop culture, music, movies, TV too. It's time to explore life. It's Operation Babble time. Ah, oh, damn it, Jim. <laughs> wait. <laughs> or wait, no, damn it, Michael. Oh, but wait, I could also say, damn it, Isaac, because audience, I have a special treat for you. I have my buddy Isaac Mahoney from the Facebook group that we have, but also from my little nerd group. You mean the the, the 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 guy who always calls me out when I um mistype something or don't get my opinion out properly <laughs> Look, you know i would ma- i would make fun of that but isn't that just everybody at this point mike yeah <laughs> but uh hello isaac hey how's it going guys it is going well my man uh oh. so nice to finally have you on i've actually wanted you on for quite a bit to be honest yeah um so uh, for people who don't know, Isaac is a very, very good friend of mine uh, from high school. He actually kind of got me into uh, theater, first of all, which kind of then led to us making some really good good for our for our level of talent, for the most part. Uh, <laughs> ma- we made some films uh, when uh, mini DV tapes were a thing. Do you remember those? Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Uh, he always really impressed me with uh, his critical eye uh, to to filmmaking, and not only that, his critical ear to soundtracks. That was always your big obsession. Was <laughs> you always made the the sexy mixtape, but with uh, right. movie soundtrack songs? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I uh, I guess this would be a really good opportunity. Uh, just kind of tell everybody about yourself and kind of what you're up to. Yeah. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, my name's Isaac, and uh, like John said, we've known each other for a long time, and uh, I'm kind of one of those guys that's a all-around nerd. Um, I just love lots of different things, movies, soundtracks, comic books, so all the stuff that you guys are talking about I've been into for a long time. Yeah. Um, right now, I'm working as a pastor in the Denver area. So Ooh, Don't get uh, scared, people. It's fine. Oh Come yeah, on. yeah. He can hang. Trust me, if he's my friend, he's not gonna he's not gonna shy away. Oh yeah. You know, you gotta be pretty cool if you're in the Denver area. You're not gonna make it. Like <laughs> he's he's edgy. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, I what I love about it is I get to talk with people all the time and you get to work with stories all the time. Like what mm. what makes stories work, what makes them important, what makes us resonate with them, and so whether it's a really old story or it's myth or we're talking movies and stuff. I, I love it. I'm all about it. I mean, I, geez, I'd make the argument that, uh, you're essentially your source material is one of the considered one of the top, you know, stories to be told to teach people how to do stuff. So that's, uh, Oh yeah. That's yeah. You old. look at hero's journey and all that kind of stuff like what makes a classic story what makes heroes and villains oh yeah that's all over and i and i remember you used to um i don't know if you still do i haven't kept up with it uh do you still post your sermons online when you're done i do yeah they're on our website yeah uh i'll I'll definitely uh want to uh hawk that out like are they like the video or just audio just audio just audio okay 
we're not high tech enough for video <laughs> yeah because uh michael i gotta tell you this guy um he's like the king of analogies <laughs> like, that was always my favorite thing and no matter what he would do he'd always try to there was always a movie or a tv show he had yeah to to equivalent to his so, um so basically like stuff. you're the reason john's such an ass to everybody else already <laughs> <laughs> i would say he planted the seed i would if any if anything i would say he was kind of more the reason i actually have a moral barometer i'm not quite as dickish as i could be uh so if anything i would say uh thank you for mellowing me out from time to time <laughs> you're welcome man it's all good it's all good um okay so um i i guess really the reason why i brought him on was because uh i had recently watched a movie that i really liked a sci-fi film uh we brought it up uh, weeks and weeks and weeks ago um but yeah. you recently rewatched it i I kind of just did like a clip arts run yesterday just to kind of refresh a bit because um, I thought your take would be really good on this. And then, of course, we'll probably as in Operation Babel uh, lore, we're, you know, the gods of tangent. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm sure that'll happen plenty. But uh, I'd like to kick it off with the idea that um, if people like sci fi apocalyptic craziness, uh, if you haven't seen Book of Eli. Uh, yeah. I'd recommend going and seeing that because we're about to uh, really dissect it, I believe. So, yeah. Uh, Are Michael, we going to babble it? Um, oh, dude, we're just going to babble <laughs> all over it. Um, a babbling brook, if you will. Um, <laughs> uh, so, Michael, have you seen it recently? Not recently. Um, recent, but I'm sure you remember. Yeah, this. I remember the, the main points of it, basically. I don't remember a whole lot of the... I mean, it's post-apocalyptic. The aesthetic is basic. You know, you've seen yeah. Mad Max. You've oh, yeah. seen all of them. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, what's I mean, what's the the number one thing with a post-apocalyptic movie? It's remove one resource yeah. and move forward. I think it's the only like, one yeah. that wasn't like just all you know. There's sand everywhere. Was just Waterworld. Waterworld was the one that went away from that. And Postman, yeah. maybe Postman yep, was Postman. a little different. I'd make the argument Endgame. Because there was nothing dystopia about it, even though it should have been. <laughs> but I don't want to get into that. I'm sorry. Well, I'm sorry I did it. <laughs> so, like, I uh, back when Book of Eli came out, I was actually inspired. And I was like, this post-apocalyptic genre is pretty dope. Like, I'm going to check this out. So I made it my goal to watch every single post-apocalyptic movie. This was, like, 2011. Mm -hmm. And at that time, there was maybe 20 max. You got the Mad Max movies, Waterworld, Postman. Uh, you made me nervous. You said twenty max, and I'm like, they made twenty Mad Max movies. No, I'm no. <laughs> kidding, kidding. Uh, but after Book of Eli, like it was like 2009, 2010. That's when you had Book of Eli, The Walking Dead show hit. Yeah. Uh, the Road came out with Viggo Mortensen. Oh, it's so good. And when that happened, it just exploded. Mm -hmm. And now there's tons of them. Yeah. Uh, I looked it up in 2018. There were 17 post-apocalyptic movies that came out. Just Good in that Lord. year? Just in 2018, yeah. Jeez. How many of them do you... How many of them... I, I guess that would be the, the hard part. Is that, how many of those were, like, big budget? Or were they, like, TV, like, sci-fi stuff? Or was I, like, I don't know. I mean, it, it looks like at least half of them were pretty crappy. <laughs> yeah, were, what I mean, I guess you could make... most of them, like, zombie ones, though, or...? See, I was just about to say... Yeah. Because, I mean, you could argue, um, 
uh, flipping Resident Evil kind of slips into that that type That's of genre true. after like the first or second one because the second one kind of starts to get there, but the yeah. third one they're legitimately the in second desert. one's just the one town, and then the third one yeah. is like the everywhere. one with Mike Epps. Oh my god, yeah. and the stars. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that that one. The first I got. I remember because it, it was funny because um. Again, it's so weird. These were the like movies and shows that came out around the time Isaac and I were kind of like at the peak of our friendship. And, you know, obviously life is life. He moved to Colorado and I moved to Florida. And, you know, him and I him and I were kind of like the the two people that were in like the two completely different groups. But for some reason we had the yeah. you know, we had the passion for something. And uh, so, you know, we're kind of the we're the good. Actually, we've been re- thanks to the the Facebook group. Look at that media bringing people together. <laughs> um, yeah. We've been talking more because of it, but I mean, yeah, pretty much after that's I hit the whole Florida, point I... of this whole thing, dude. Right. That's you know? what, that's why stories are important. Right. They bring people together. I've connected with but, uh, a lot more people recently because of that group too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember, I remember being terrified because you, uh, Isaac lived out in like the middle of nowhere when we lived in Iowa we were already in a small town. And then of course he lived in the outskirts of the small town. And, uh, um, he's in this pretty big house. We're in this basement. He's out in the middle of nowhere. So there's like no street lights or anything. Everything's like pitch black and it's terrifying. It's like, uh, you know, kind of like the area you're pretty sure Jason Voorhees will come out of the lake and come murder you. <laughs> and, um, we were playing resident evil. Uh, what was it? What was the one with the, the alligator, the shark that jumped out? It was the first one. It was the, it was the first remake one. of the first Resident Evil, yeah. Oh, God. I remember we watched that, and I was terrified to walk out to my car at night. And uh, and then that was around the same time the first Resident Evil movie came out. Or yeah. The second one. And I remember us watching the first one and going, I mean, it's not the game, but it wasn't as bad as what Doom tried to do. Oh, man. So you kind of let it go. With the rock. yeah and then the second and then the second movie came out and you could just tell it was delving into nonsense it kind of reminded me of uh what mortal kombat to mortal kombat annihilation did it was kind of like that you don't lean too much into it and uh got weird (laughs) see i'm lucky enough where i never actually played resident evil i still to this day have yet to do it yeah so i have no idea the difference between the movie storyline and the game storyline well, and see, and honestly, I don't even know if I've ever actually played the game physically. I've always just watched people. I've watched yeah. Isaac play two, no, one, two, no, one and four, maybe. And I've seen everybody play four because apparently it's the, it's like the creme de la creme of the Resident Evil games. But, uh, oh yeah, no, the, the, the games and movies are pretty, pretty much, they both have zombies and a couple yeah. of characters <laughs> with the same name. And that's about it. They're not zombies, John. They have the, the, the what is it, Z-strain or V-strain or T-virus. whatever, T-virus, whatever. So many freaking movies out there that have a virus in them. Yeah. <laughs> that, oh, yeah. That's splitting hairs. They're all zombies. I don't care. 28 days later, they're, zomb- they're raging. No, they're zombies. I don't care. <laughs> they're all, oh. But, um, so we have, so we had, God, the, the post-apocalyptic thing is freaking me out, though. That, that many I mean, I guess you could make yeah. the argument how many flipping superhero movies do we get a year now? Right. right. And TV shows right. and stuff. It, so. There was a point where each one was kind of unique. Like, Michael, you mentioned Waterworld. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which bombed. Movie. It was <laughs> locked, but that's like one of my favorite post-apocalyptic movies was Waterworld mm-hmm. after uh, Mad Max Thunderdome. 
Those were like my top two. Yeah. And Thunderdome's yeah, I mean, just they fun. Have that, I, they have that iconic setting. Like, you're yeah. never going to forget those movies. Yeah. I, uh, I guess the Escape well, from New York's technically a post-apocalyptic one, right? Kind yeah. of. I, so I, I, I looked into this, too. So there's Dystopia, which mm-hmm. is a future where there's still a society, but there's there's problems, there's issues, right. you know? So like, um, like Equilibrium would be a dystopia. Ooh. Okay. Um, or I haven't watched it, but Handmaid's Tale would be dystopia. Or okay. V for Vendetta. That's a great example. There we go. Yeah. I like that one. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas post-apocalyptic is there's some sort of horrible war or something that destroyed and it's kind of like hit reset on reset society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is kind of like, it, it's like the wild West meets. Um, I mean, I, I think it's kind of like sci-fi in a way, because if you think about it and here, Michael, you're going to get an idea of why John loves me so much. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like science fiction is all about like pushing the boundaries of humanity and we get to explore these ideas, right? We are, as human beings, we are explorers. We go out and we're learning stuff, but we also learn about ourselves. Mm-hmm. So you get like Star Trek and all that. You guys talk about Star Trek all the time. <laughs> You're engaging with these ideas. There's that the frontier makes us reflect on ourselves and like what's most important to us. Well, you've had sci-fi for a long time, mm-hmm. at least over a hundred years. And that's been done. Aliens have been done, time travel, alternate theory of timelines, all that. So what is new? What is the frontier? What if it's something just totally wipes out society? Like nukes are done. And how do you survive in our world when everything is different? I see. And and I I don't know if this is, I love that. That that was great. Um, I don't know if this is going to get too artsy. So feel free to, uh, you know, guys, give me like the wink off symbol, like cut it out. Um, <laughs> I like the idea that like with, especially with sci-fi or the dystopia apocalyptic stuff is like, it's almost like, well, and I guess stories in general, you get this idea of, they're almost like built in metaphors. Like it's an opportunity for you to tell these stories or, or um, like these depictions of mirroring like society or like cultural interaction and things like that, but getting to put this weird package on it. So you're not necessarily, you're not, it doesn't feel like you're literally pointing the finger at someone. You're giving this like idea, this just fictional idea for people to infer from and reflect. And I think that's Mm. why you're seeing a lot of movies tank right now is because that subtlety is gone. Now they're literally pointing the finger and waving it in your face and telling you that these things are bad instead of, here's here's the imagery here's the stuff and now you go home and reflect on all the things that you heard and said rather than i just got a soap i just i just watched somebody on a soapbox for two hours well storytelling in general has just gone downhill over the last year or two well nobody wants to put the effort in is and 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 then and then i think i think it's the 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 exclusivity of everything right now especially with hollywood because everybody always talks about networking being mm. the strongest thing to get you somewhere. And I think yeah. that's a problem. And the, and the fact that schools legitimately teach that, um, and I think it's underhanded. I won't talk about the film school I went to, 
um, because that was their, that's what they preached. Networking, networking. That's how you get there. Who gives a shit about your talent? Right. <laughs> like, it's pretty much how it felt. And, yeah. and that's why I always make that talk about like writers, man, passion, passion can be seen. You can't fake passion. You yeah. Can't yeah. Do it. And people are like, well, actors can, it's like, no, only good actors can, <laughs> um, um, you know, I'm not getting, I'm not getting passion from Ruby Rose. I'm just saying, um, Oh God. But we'll we'll save that one for later. Um, Don't but segue I guess, already, John. Come yeah, on. sorry, sorry. But um, yeah, I just I, I love. That's why I love movies. That's why I like storytelling. That's why I'm sure Isaac um, got into wanting to be a pastor, just being able to uh, uh, use stories and metaphors and imagery to essentially show people that it's not it's not inherently bad to question the question what you're doing or whether yeah. or not what you're doing is right and wrong or what mm-hmm. is happening to you is right or wrong. Those, those, uh, that critical thinking is extremely important, I think. So, yes, yeah, yeah. totally. Um, but I guess that tangent number one. Um, so, <laughs> so, so since there was like dozens of flipping uh, apocalyptic movies to choose from, uh, where would you rank book of Eli up there for you? Like, you know, out of all the ones you'd go pick, where do you, where would that I'd, fall? I put it top probably top five really okay um i mean road warrior is awesome Mm -hmm. fury road is awesome like fury road is probably number one um i think the road is really great if you're if you're into reading books the book is even way better than the movie i totally Um, recommend the audiobook by the way yes i got it from good it's it's absolutely phenomenal it is Uh, awesome can i say too fury road was one of those movies too that there was barely any dialogue in it, but it was oh, still awesome. a great movie. Mm-hmm. And yes. it just proves that, like, how lazy people are getting with how they even write. It's like, not for that movie, but for in other movies, yeah, yeah. it's just like, what are you guys doing? This movie has, like, zero dialogue. It's awesome. Whereas, well, like, you can go to an indie film I, that has, like, a crap ton of dialogue, and this yeah. is just like, okay. Uh, I want to yeah. jump on oh, yeah. that for just a second just because um, I have heard that argument a lot. That And I, and I want to make sure we keep fair to actual writers who are yeah. out there and, and working. Um, just because there's not a lot of dialogue does not mean that that script was thin, right. if that makes sense. You know, because you have to – a lot of good writers, when you don't have dialogue, uh, especially if you're going to go into animation and stuff, you need to be very specific about what you're trying to portray mm. and setting the scene. Sometimes um, now, now sometimes well, for, they're for just the most like, part, just write, you know, whatever you want. <laughs> well, I'm saying, but that's the problem. That's, that's where the problem comes is because there's you sought, you sought out a storyteller yeah. to tell you that. And, and then you, you, you know, tie their hands and it's not how that works. They need to paint the scene and the motivations for the characters and all that stuff. Right. And, and then you get to visually represent it. Because one of the best examples, I would say, and especially because it gives for the kids' argument, too, because I hate this idea that we have to dumb stuff down for children. It makes no sense. Yeah. If anything, you should, you should um, put more stock into that stuff mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. children are so... Um, uh, like, look at the cartoons we had versus the stuff they have now. Like, Teen well, Titans I was gonna say- Go versus a Gargoyles. But see, my whole, thi- <laughs> but my whole thing was, is I wanted to stay with your writing, is... Uh, you talked about Fury Road having yeah. little to no dialogue. Wally, I mean, come yeah. on, that's essentially post-apocalyptic, no dialogue. <laughs> the and kids, man, I just hit every check mark there. <laughs> Done, mic drop. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, so- like, what made what made Fury Road so tight is that 
every single thing that they showed you like had a point like every shot mm-hmm. and they actually intro like the action scenes were so tight because they introduced things and resolved it like mm-hmm. the scene with the motorcycles jumping over the truck and they're throwing so you see him jumping over and you're like okay why are they doing that and then you see him start to throw the molotov cocktails down and you're like oh yeah okay then you see the engine start on fire and you're like dang this is getting bad then you see a shot of the air intake shutting and then the the plow in the front lowering and the the sand coming up so it's like there's so many shots that all line that up yeah. So you understood each idea one at a time and it was resolved. It's something than... that Fast and the Furious should have done with some of their shots. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Or um, I watched a video on The Hobbit being terrible at this. It's like you see a problem and then the next shot is the hero having an answer to that problem. Right away. It's yeah. like that was nothing. That, that gave no tension. That did not allow me to understand what's even happening. Well, and it, and it, and it takes you out too because it's like – you know, I always tell people, it's like, people don't understand when they say pacing, what pacing is. Guys have um, given me so many good segus. Yeah. <laughs> to a freaking um, Batwoman yeah. already with everything here. <laughs> well, the problem is, is that we say stuff like that and there's about 900 examples you can put out. And that's the problem. I yeah. mean, I could tell you Last Jedi and Episode Nine is going to be just as bad. And, um, you know, Supergirl's getting tanked now, too. And Is it? Yeah, well, I think to be I haven't fair, watched bat- any of this. To be fair, yet. I think that's bat. I think that's Batwoman's fault too. But um, uh, no, but I think, and especially with like you keep talking about how like tight the action is, and and you're you're even talking about the imagery and stuff. How good it it, it all serves a purpose. It all it it makes you appreciate the acting or the action and stuff more because you're not questioning everything else that's happening around it. Mm, right. It's like again with the Hobbit man if I'd have cared about what the story was doing at the time, I wouldn't have picked out all the technical issues it had. I was just like the barrel scene and stuff was so stupid. And you see Legolas running around and I'm like, they cut to GoPro footage like three times. In had the, I been in the Hobbit, in the, the first one, the first Hobbit, the first Hobbit. That's the only one I saw. So that's the only one I saw. And I only saw like 40 minutes of it. Cause I, I, I rage quit. And <laughs> I, uh, if I'd have cared what was happening or if the dialogue was good or the characters were relatable or something, I would have been like, Ugh, okay, go pro. I get it. They were lazy moving on, but it was just, yeah. it was just one thing after another. And it's like I said, you don't earn this uh, respect of leeway. I would argue right. that's why game of Thrones was able to get to eight seasons was because the first two seasons were so perfect. You get to three and you're like, well, there's some dumb stuff. It's fine Four starts to really get dumb and you're like okay well i didn't read the books so we'll be okay so kind of like five and six happen and you're like i'm done you're like i'm done what just like arrow then (laughs) pretty much like well like pretty much any like first phase uh arrow stuff yeah two solid seasons and then it became a formula that's always my problem is the formulaic making of things well as soon as arrow decided they were going to build a universe that's when everything really started going wonky yeah, yeah. But um so then so now we got Fury Road coming Now is Fury so then, Road the one with like the milk factory? Yep. Like all the chicks and yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah, because the so the second one is about gasoline. Yeah. The the third one is about Thunderdome. Yep. 
And then Fury Road is about the brides. Yeah, and so that's the, the one with Tom Hardy, which if you watch that and then watch Venom, you'll really see that Venom is just a bad movie. Because <laughs> it's, it's like it's also, Tom Hardy. It's also from better. Sony. It's already. It's also from Sony. So I always say that Ugh. you're pretty much you're pretty much going in assuming it's going to be terrible. I mean, uh, technically, the the two Spider-Man movies we had too were from Sony. But Marvel had some influence into them. Wrong. No way. I yes. will never. I will never. I will never yes. agree with that. Ever. You Ever. don't have to agree with it. It's you don't facts. think. You, you really think Sony had anything to do with any of that production. Yeah. Other than money and giving the character. No way. No way. <laughs> No way. I refuse. I, I, I want know. proof. John's I want like, proof. I want proof that they made a decent movie. Well, because they have, because I still make the argument. Everybody's looking at the old spider, the Raimi Spider-Mans with these weird rose colored goggles because all the other ones have been shit. Like the first, don't get me wrong. I, again, we've had this talk a billion times. I'm pretty much on the same track as I think 90% of the world is the second Spider-Man Raimi one is like pinnacle comic book films. Thank that one for where we are now. The first one is not as well received as everybody thinks. <laughs> it just wasn't. Now yeah. it is. Hey, John. It's kind of like. John. It's kind of. Wow. Far From Home's on Blu-ray. You going to go pick it up today? <laughs> no. No. It's, that, that movie made me sad. It wasn't bad. Don't get me wrong. But there was a lot of uh, stupid decisions that they made in it, subjectively for me, that I just the bar scene's the worst that the reveal scene of mysterio might be the worst scene in the film and it broke the entire movie i still am going to go back and take a soundbite from our cast when you talked about it because you're not my movie was freaking hilarious (laughs) oh i'm not i'm not kidding i'm not kidding i will never forget it because because after captain marvel was retconning shit and then like you had you know, and I'd already been hurt by like Last Jedi retconning a lot of stuff and all these movies just and then oh god and then Endgame. Ugh, I hate you, Endgame. Um then Far From Home comes and I'm like, you know what? I really liked Homecoming. Like I loved Homecoming. Yeah. I think it's one of the one of the better MCU films. And and uh, so I'm like and I love Tom Holland. So I'm like I can totally work with this. Let's see where they go. It's fine. I hated Endgame, but this could maybe at least be a good like by itself kind of thing. We'll see what happens. Boy, oh boy, when he starts doing that damn speech, because I'm already out of the film at this point, because they're all because they're both sitting at the bar in in their suits Mm -hmm. right after being on the news and stuff. And nobody's looking at him. Nobody's talking to him. Nobody's even coming like going like, oh, hey, buddy, how's it going? Snapping. Why is Peter just standing there without his mask on? This makes no sense. It's it's like it's it's Barry Allen running around telling everybody his (laughs) flipping identity. So it makes no sense. So I'm already broken. And then, and then the reveal happens and I'm like, oh man, I was actually really liking Jake Gyllenhaal as the good guy. Like I was actually like, this dude's really, and I don't like Jake Gyllenhaal particularly Mm. as an actor. So like me actually enjoying him and doing all the scenes, I was like, oh man, when he uh, tells Peter, don't ever feel bad for being the smartest person in the room. I was like, oh man, that hit me. And like, Peter really needed that. He got this mentor. This is, this is working for me. This is on all cylinders. And then he just turns into one dimensional, I'm a good, I'm a good, I'm a bad guy. And I'm like, oh, I want to die. And then he does the cringy speech and I'm sitting in the theater and I'd see Hannah look over at me because <laughs> they do the flashback 
to him talking about the barf thing and Civil War and Mahoney, if you don't know, Civil War is probably my favorite film in the MCU, but yeah. I still like <laughs> I would rank Avengers or like Infinity War up there. Well, Infinity War got knocked down because of Endgame, but um but Avengers is up there for me, the first one, and then uh, Civil War is like I think like pinnacle storytelling and comic book movie. Oh man, when they retcon him being in at the stage in that scene, I was like, I literally curled up into my movie theater seat. Hannah looks over to me, and you just I put my head in my hands. I go, oh no, don't do this, not my movie, please. <laughs> I was like, of all the movies you could have retconned right now, you couldn't do it to Iron Man 3, you couldn't do it to <laughs> Iron Man 2, it had to be Civil War, didn't it? And it was just like, oh, oh man. See, oh. I think movies are also getting a little lame. Like, that, I'll, I'll admit, the way they did the exposition of that was kind mm. of creative in a way for that film but a lot of things are doing that now where they're forcing the exposition and their dialogue so much so that it leaves the audience being like well now i don't even have to think today yeah cool well but, but the, oh yeah go ahead this actually brings us back to the book of eli if we want to go back we can just take we could totally take this train no 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 because I, I have talked extensively thank you for All saving right. me from the mcu <laughs> yeah. hole go back okay. go back because this is this is like this is one of the main things I realized rewatching Book of Eli is it shows us so much, but it hardly tells us anything. Right. Oh, yeah. Which yes. you would think, which, okay, and which is funny because with most films, mm -hmm. that would be an issue. Like, yeah. I, would, I would call that an issue. This movie really, I love movies that do this too, uh, that require um, – a second viewing, not necessarily require it, but just gives you so much more. Like the ending completely recontextualizes yes. the film. And right. um, because it's, I think the whole reason is, is because it wants to hit you with those tropes. They don't want you to think about, it's like, no, we're in post-apocalyptic. This is what this guy does. Nope. They're marauders, bad guy versus good guy. There's a MacGuffin. There's a thing we're looking for. Bing, 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 bing. So then right. when you get a, when you get the reveal at the end, um, you sit back and you go, did I just miss everything or was that all set? And then you got to go back and watch it and go, oh, man. And, you know, they don't nail it the whole way through. But, man, when they nail it, though, it's just like, oh, uh, you just just constantly moments of just like, well done. Like <laughs> You just like <laughs> yeah. golf clap for them while right. you watch it. Right. So we're talking spoilers for this movie, I'm guessing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's there's two big reveals in the movie. <laughs> Actually, because I like your storytelling and stuff, uh, could you give us um, just in case, because this does happen. Some people uh, sure. actually like to hear about the film and then go back, especially because it's an older film. A lot of people don't really care about super spoilers. Um, but I'd also argue, like, if you haven't seen it, please go see it. But at the same time, we'll we'll talk about it. maybe like a quick little little uh, plot outline synopsis thing, sure. and, then, and then move into that. Yeah. So it kicks off with Denzel Washington traveling across the wasteland. You get this idea that he's going west. He's kind of a lone good guy, old west type character, right? And you see him being a good guy. Raiders attack him, and he's not just mowing people all down being a jerk like he has a very just respectful way about him but he's willing to defend himself so you're like all right this guy's pretty sweet you get this idea he's carrying a book with him 
is really important. We have no idea what it is. Then it kind of jumps to this town and there's a leader of this town named Carnegie played by Gary Oldman. Yes. Awesome. Yep. And he's looking for this book and he's sending out these marauders looking for a book. And he says, this is power. And so you start getting this idea that uh, there was a war 30 years ago. They talk about this and they burned a lot of religious books. Well, and they called it. And, and I guess what happened was, is um, I don't know if, if anybody's ever played like the fallout games or anything like that. Kind of, kind of feels exactly like that. Cause shoot the yeah. opening scene is like this green filtered, like ashy snow coming from the sky. And, yes. he's, and he's like bow hunting a cat for food, which like it shows a, you get a lot of stuff right there. It's like, you can tell the yeah. radiation. There's probably stuff from the sky. Mm-hmm. He's eating cats. So obviously food is a commodity, blah, blah, blah. And, <laughs> yeah. um, but the thing about the books I really loved what the movie did is it's not even necessarily that, I mean, obviously, especially if you've already watched it or whatever, you can tell that that book is important that he's carrying, but the guy is just Gary Oldman is just looking for a book because there was yeah. always there he doesn't know how many there are left he just knows that i need this specific text yeah and i need to find it i don't know what it looks like i know it has this symbol on it and he's constantly sending out marauders to go find it he's kind of like the gangster boss man of the town and uh i just i, I always i like that little bit is that he had a book and the other guy was, and then after a while you go well duh he's probably got one that he wants but uh, I like the idea that he's he's been on this search for a very long time, and this man's been on a journey for a while. Mm-hmm. And you're about to watch two um, really strong uh, personalities clash potentially mm-hmm. over the same thing, which it's really neat. It, it, it creates this nice um, – I don't know, this nice duality that you don't get a lot. From. Not only that, Gary Oldman as a bad guy is always fun. Dude, Gary <laughs> Oldman in general – Come on, man. Even when he was like eating marbles in uh, Dark Knight Rises and you couldn't understand him half the time. I was fine with him. But uh, so, so there's also a nice Easter egg when the Marauders bring in this pile of Bibles and it's mm. they don't have what Gary Oldman's looking for. The book that pops out on the top is the Da Vinci Code. Is it really? <laughs> I've never even noticed that. <laughs> oh my god how many other titles do you think you could see in that if you pause now because see now i want to go do that yeah no um, they have like magazines and there's like an oprah magazine and stuff and yeah oh and i love it too because just like the spewing of of the material the materials that you see um yeah. uh obviously it's for the time but at the same time it it works for um the fact that it's like it, you hit the reset button so you've dropped back a while Mm-hmm. Denzel Washington's character has an iPod. Yeah. And, and when I say iPod, people are like, you mean like a phone, right? I'm like, no, no. <laughs> I think people might forget there used to be an iPod that had like the dial on it, which let <laughs> yeah. me tell you is still my favorite, by the way. It's for music and like audio stuff, the spin dial is the best. But um, uh, it was just neat because, yeah, they were dropping books and magazines and stuff. And it's just like the materialism that no longer matters and the right. things you wouldn't even think about because they're using like wet naps from like KFC and stuff yeah. for like bathing. Yeah. I'm like, man, you really don't think about it until like water is always a great example. It's just like how important it is. And, and it's, it, God, they just, yeah. I don't know. There's just little moments like that, that I appreciate. I, I mean, another really tight thing about that scene with the books too. And Gary Oldman 
is um, they established that no one under like 40 or 50 can even read. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And these guys don't know what these books are. They don't even know how to read. And then they say, what, what do you want to do with these books and magazines or whatever? And Gary Oldman says, burn them. Mm-hmm. So it's like he was even trying to control reading mm-hmm. as a resource in itself. Which you could make the argument is happening right now. It's it's the idea of keeping the classes under you, undereducated. Therefore, if they're not if they're not critical thinking, they won't care about what's happening to them. They just assume this is the system and this is how it works. And people right. people who don't have who feel like they don't have purpose want guidance. It's just how it is. And um, you know. Some people either want to be the one guiding people or they they immediately want to submit and be the ones that are guided uh, right. just for uh, either necessity or just lack of, I don't know, uh, any, I guess really at anything, education, strength, right. what have you. And yeah, it's just cool. And I love that. And it's like somehow even in those times, you still have an education, like a, a, a gap, which represents its power. But at the same time, like, Gary Oldman's not like this big buff dude. He's got the big buff bald henchman, you know, bad guy number mm-hmm. one. Right. But yet he's still in control. And I and I always love that. I love stuff like that. It makes you think. He's always good. He's he's just always yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah. I liked uh I mean I and I think that's the contrast that really drives like the whole um acts two and three of the movie is you have Eli who's carrying this book. And as it develops, you start to realize like, oh, maybe this is a religious book mm-hmm. because they talk about how when this nuclear war happened, they burned all the religious books because some people blamed that for the reason for the war. And you're like, okay, you're starting to put it together why this is so important. Well, and, and they bring up the, the, the event was called like the flash. They bring uh, that yeah. up a couple of times, which burns out a lot of people's eyes mm. and stuff and that's why like during the day and stuff it's even they try to really depict that like over brightened overexposed thing and people have to wear goggles out in the sun and stuff like that or they'll burn their retinas out which uh which is neat and i love because the, the movie just slightly hints at it a couple of times once or twice through the movie just to kind of breadcrumb you which is nice so right that's cool too um yeah uh and so pretty much that big heading is when he hits that town we get the Gary Oldman introduction. We get the rest of his marauders back. And you also find out that one of the first groups that he encountered, that Eli encountered happened to be the henchmen for him. Yeah. So uh, that's really fun when he ends up at the, at the building and you get the introduction of how everything is about to essentially play out, which is kind of fun. Kind of like yeah. uh, Eli's just pit stopping and that's when nonsense ensues. Right. He's there to get his iPod recharged, kind of fill up on supplies and move on. And he knows this town is trouble. He doesn't want to go in the bar because he knows it's trouble. And yet he has to to go get water. And it kind of it sets everything up. Um, and that's actually something like I, I loved this scene because this is a little bit a little bit tangent, but it's self-contained. So <laughs> I listened to a really great book called Disaster Diaries. How I learned to, it's like how I learned to stop fearing the apocalypse. Um, or, I mean, it's a take on how I learned to love the atomic bomb, right? It's called Disaster Diaries. Basically, it's this ex-military guy who's, who was started having nightmares about 
what if the apocalypse actually happened and like what would happen to his kid? And so he decided, um, all right, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to go around the world and study with experts on how to do all the skills you would need to survive the apocalypse. So he's got a chapter on like, so, okay. Surviving. So, so we got disaster diaries. So I'm assuming this is the same series. I decided to look it up. Um, by you R. always McGinnis. do this. Can I just say that, John? Well, <laughs> a guest is explaining something, and you're just like, "I'm gonna look it up and be like, this is what it is exactly." Well, no, because I want to, because he's gonna get it. He's gonna get into the actual material. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to like. I'm just saying, because I listened um, to another one of our casts where we had a guest so, earlier. <laughs> so it's R. McGeddon is the author. Is that? I just want to make sure I'm looking at the right. They got kind of like kitty covers uh i see like zombies aliens no it, this one sam is sheridan. sam sam okay. sheridan yeah yeah okay. disaster diaries how i learned to stop worrying and love the apocalypse okay i wanted to just make sure okay sorry i looked it up last night i couldn't quite remember it. oh no well because usually if you bring something up i'm like well i i gotta know yeah about that afterwards you get the so audio he's got book. a cool like the format is cool because he's got a chapter on all these different skills. Like one's on how to hotwire a car and he, he learned to drive from a stunt driver and uh, hunting and um, first aid and like just all these kind of really interesting places and people that he meets. And he has one on knife fighting. And what they said is if you're in the apocalypse, the best thing to do is have a machete or just a huge knife that is razor sharp and you do not use that for anything but fighting. You do not hunt with it. You do not cook with it. You have to keep it razor sharp so that when you need it, it can actually cut through people. It can cut through clothing, everything. Through bone and all that. Yeah, and that's what you see in Book of Eli's. He is this yeah. machete, this razor sharp. He does not use it for anything else. And when he gets that out, it's, it's oh man. Dude, that awesome. fight scene in that bar is so cool. And it's like, and I love it because it also shows off the, because and who doesn't love a hero who's like precise. Like, yes. Unless you're in one of the, like it's a guy who's like <clears throat> thrust into the position and he has, you know, kind of like, cause I, that's kind of one of my issues like with James Bond from time to time. It's like, Oh man, for a guy who's been doing this so long, he gets his ass kicked a lot. <laughs> like it doesn't really, <laughs> you know, it doesn't, he's not, he's not really like ready for anything, but like with book of Eli do get surrounded by like eight people. And it's just like clockwork. The dude is a surgeon. And it's just like, that's like, it just adds to his like stoic persona. And it's so badass. It's like, yes. oh, and Denzel Washington is just, ugh, he's perfect. Yeah. Ugh. But um, wasn't Jackie in that movie? Oh, God. Yeah, easily the weakest part of that film. <laughs> by, by Mila far. Kunis, sorry. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was when uh, I think she was getting casted. I hate to be that guy, but I think she was getting casted by popularity and her looks. Because she was also in that Max, that terrible Max Payne movie with uh, oh, with what's his face, the uh, Jupiter Ascending movie, or is it Marketing Mark? That oh. was awful too. Yeah, it was Mark Wahlberg. Absolutely. No, there was a game. There was a game called. Uh, uh, I already forgot it because I don't care. Um, Max Payne. It was a video game, yeah. and she was in it, and it was terrible. Um, well, she was in the game, or did they like make it into a movie? No, they made it into a movie. Okay, with Mark Wahlberg, and it was just really? atrocious. Oh, it was atrocious. But um, and then they did Ted together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. She, you know, she's working. We'll just say that. 
Um, but so like with so I just like I looked up that book that looks awesome. I'm probably gonna end up reading it. Um, so I love I love the idea. Well, and it's also what's always the joke, especially in like zombie video games. You don't have to reload a knife. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, so like. Man, I, could you imagine? Ugh. Anyway, sorry, I'll let you continue. That was... Yeah. Well, okay. So you bring up uh, Mia Kunis, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's when her character is actually introduced. Mm-hmm. Is when Carnegie and everybody gets involved, and they they grab Eli and they throw him in this room. And they're like, "All right, we want to try and use him for something. Let's try and get him on our side." And so they send in this young girl. She's I don't know. She's maybe supposed to be like eighteen or something, seventeen, sure. eighteen in this movie. And so they send her in to sleep with Eli. And that's the moment where you get, I think you really get how different this guy is because he's like, nope, I'm not, I'm not going to do this. I'm, like, I'm, I'm focused. He's laser focused. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of like the biggest, that's kind of like the last moral reveal is you've seen him be a very moral person in this just extremely awful But he's violent, world. but he's also violent. And it's like, what is what is his motivation for only unleashing right. that? But but it's like a restrained violence. You see mm-hmm. him, it's always to defend himself or to help other people. Mm-hmm. Whereas the marauders and stuff, I mean, there there's that scene where the marauders attack this couple and they kill them and they rape the woman and then they take all their stuff. And so you have this, this world where like everybody is selfish and taking. And then Eli is very restrained and he's giving away. And he's even saying like, nope, I'm not gonna... I'm not going to sleep with this teenage girl. Um, even though every, it's already established, like every single man in that entire town would love to be in his shoes right now. Mm-hmm. And he's like, nope. And that's why I talk about show versus tell is he could have sat down and we could have like a Denzel Washington, like Christian Hallmark movie speech about, like sin and the world is so bad because of sin, but or I'm a flashback good. or a flashback to why, <laughs> right. like what was the specific thing that made him the, cause like, I'd love the, Cause he's like, he's like that character that nobody seems to be able to write like this essentially overpowered man mm-hmm. who has to do restraint. It's essentially the Superman complex or the, or the Hulk complex. This, um, or the Captain Marvel the, complex. Or the <laughs> I don't know if that works because they essentially made her god in that movie. Um, but uh, with like with Eli, once you see what he's capable of, I love this idea of you wonder what his background was to why he's so flipping skilled at what he does and why he has that restraint. Like you just, you get to infer or speculate or all of that stuff throughout this whole film knowing. So when he gets put in a situation where he holds back and it's like, he could take it if he wanted to, what is his motivation not to do that? And it's Mm -hmm. so cool. It's like, it's obviously something built into his character, but we don't know why yet. And it's just awesome. I just love it. It's so good. It's good character analysis. I love it. And then it's cool in that scene, like instead of, having sex with the probably underage girl he offers her food and he sits down and he prays with her and at first she's like what is happening is this from a book and she's like shh you know yeah and he prays with her and you see how important that is and that's i think that's kind of when it clicks like oh i think i know what the book is because he's praying to god mm-hmm. and he doesn't even say god he just says lord 
right? Did before before the prank scene though? Doesn't Oldman say it's a book with a like a cross on it? I think they might have revealed that a little maybe because around this time you're like, I think I know what it is. Because it, it seems pretty obvious at some point, and and I and I told Hannah I was like, it's really fun because I would really like to see this film remade for multiple uh, places. Like, could you imagine like a version of this, but the book they're looking for is the Quran or something like that. Right. I, I like right. that idea that uh, words are powerful and yes. you just, and, and uh, you could use that metaphor for just about it. Well, I don't even know if it's a metaphor. It's almost a literal thing. Um, right. Uh, I love the idea that you could use that for multiple things, like literally just carbon copy it put a different package on it for a specific uh, society. And it just, I don't know. Cause it's that, cause I don't think it's inherently a bad message. I think it's a great message that anybody could get behind. It's just, we right. just have to fight about which words are the right words is always the issue. Right. Definitely. And I, I saw the movie towards the end kind of wrestle with that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's where it was like, it was like the first two thirds seemed very Christian because it's, the bible right the book is the bible and then towards the end he makes some more generic comments about faith and even at the end you see they have mm-hmm. different faiths on the shelf and stuff so i i don't know exactly the motivation for that if that was if they wrote it a certain way and then the the studio was like whoa, whoa, whoa like hey like let's yeah get some well, broader appeal i, would I don't assume, know i would but, assume it's just because it's a western culture film like it's it's a western Indeed. culture being written in western culture and that's just how we're and especially you know like because it's like you said even just old west is yeah. a a genre which it's essentially all this is is sci-fi wild wild west version of stuff in my opinion like yeah but the, the denzel awesome. one not the will smith wild wild west <laughs> but you don't like the talk, giant metal spiders come on talk man. dude <laughs> that was joel schumacher wasn't it yeah <laughs> Yeah, because oh, they were man. supposed to use the spider in the Superman movie. And he's like, you know let me, what? Let's put it in this. Let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you about a movie that I watched more than I should have. I had the soundtrack, which I adored. Will Smith riding in on a horse at the uh, video music awards for MTV singing Wild Wild West was like <laughs> I was at the right age for that and I'm still embarrassed to this day about it. Oh, it's, the song started out so perfect. It was like well, you know, w- Wild Wild West, Jim West. Wild Wild West, Jim West, Desperado, Rough Rider. You know, he don't want none of, none of this. Um, sorry, I totally, I totally. Oh, man. It's oh, okay. Mike Cruz it, it, rapping Wild Wild West. Like, my day is made. This is awesome. Oh, so rough, man. It, I, I, John, for I, for well, that, since we're, uh, it was a Will Smith movie. At the end don't of Gemini, don't Gemini me, no, man. No, I'm not, I haven't even seen that. I want to see that though. Okay, okay. I heard it was horrible. Though. It's getting good. It's getting good reviews and from audience. It's mixed. But I, it's mixed. Which I I refuse to believe it's that good because fucking David Benioff fucking wrote the damn thing, dipshit from Game of Thrones. I <laughs> fucking hate. I hate them so much right now. I would <sighs> I would say the most like watched over thing on VHS, especially for mm-hmm. me for Will Smith, anyways, was the. At the end of Men in Black, they had the Men in Black music video right oh, after it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I had like one of those big old box TVs that, you know, sat on the floor and stuff still. That I paused the movie when they showed like the alien ID. And I took a picture with a Polaroid. 
and that was like walking around pretending it was like a real freaking idea. <laughs> you you sound like the oldest person in the universe. I watched it on VHS and I took a picture of the screen with a Polaroid. Like like hey, hey Polaroids gonna be are like, coming what? back. Polaroids have come back. They, they right. fair sell, enough. Fair enough. They sell those cameras. Fair enough. Uh, got a tangent window. Isaac, just hold on, hold on to your stuff, man. Just we'll, we'll, we're coming back. Uh, okay. Because he said men in black, I cannot help bringing this up all the time because I'm oh, just God. always going to assume we're getting a new listener every cast. Um, I gotta tell you, and I hope you guys have one. If you don't, don't worry. I just have to say this to everyone. The funniest scene I've ever seen in a film, or at least up there. In one of the worst movies ever, has to be Men in Black 2, when Will Smith is stuck in all those stupid pipes at the end of the movie, and he's got to like <laughs> get to a countdown button, and he's just in a pile of pipes going, eh, eh, and he can't get he's out. He's like trying to do the worm or worm, backwards worm to get out and stuff. Dude, it was so dumb, but it just makes me laugh every time it's so dumb i i got a little bit uh thing for you john this this what? this made me laugh and made me think of you i was listening to uh <clears throat> one of the uh the fat man beyond podcasts that kevin, kevin smith yeah, yeah. and uh mark Bernardin do and mm-hmm. they had the guy on there that did um he's done like i forget his name but he's done so many visual effects like makeup and stuff like that okay. he worked on the first three men in black movies he he created that little dude that was inside the head too, like okay in the morgue. Yeah, yeah in yeah. the morgue. So he worked on those three, and they asked him, he, "Did you work on International?" And he's like, "Oh God, no! Thank God." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like laughing my ass off when I heard that. I was like, "That sounds like something John would say." <laughs> I definitely want to go back and see three because I've heard good things, and it's Josh Brolin playing Tommy Lee Jones. Essentially, three is and good. I'm like, yeah. I, I, that's what I've heard. I heard it's yeah. so back to form because the first yeah. one is like, I didn't realize how much I love and adore the first one. Mm-hmm. I think I think the first one is like peak sci-fi film. Like, and not only that, but like peak sci-fi '90s film. Yeah. I yeah. don't know how Will Smith did it twice. Don't get me wrong. Independence Day has a lot of tizzy writing in it, and it's a little stupid, but it is. God, it's a it, that is Hallmark blockbuster. I would argue. Between Terminator 2, Jurassic Park, and Independence Day, that's what made Blockbuster. Yeah. People are like, well, Jaws, obviously that set the standard, but I'm and the fact ni- that there I'm wasn't as much the fact that there wasn't as much CG in those movies as we get now in like the Independence Day sequel or but those fi- every but Jurassic I, I would, Park sequel. <laughs> I'd argue that's fight of the times though, because I mean, think about but it. it you just, know, blowing up models and stuff. Yeah. And, but uh, but that is good though. Trust me, I'm always about practical. But man, uh, man, that first Men in Black movie is so good. And then I watched International, and it's just you watch a studio just dump on something, not knowing what their source material was, and just so disrespectful to mm-hmm. what was. I mean, literally, I pulled I pulled up Hannah. I go, Tommy Lee Jones has a monologue on a park bench with Will Smith that might be one of the most poignant things in a film. Yeah. And it's packaged in this goofy ass like sci-fi thing. And it's like the 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 people are a person is smart, but people are dumb panicky animals and yeah. you know it. Yeah. 
and and then on top of the imagine what you'll know tomorrow like you know we you know 100 years ago or whatever we knew right the the earth revolved or the sun revolved around the earth and oh man it's so poignant and it's still and it's still poignant now and that's what like 20 years later Mm -hmm. it's just that was 96 so yeah i mean man that's the power of science fiction man well, Ask the right questions. Well, and the power of good writing. It's just like you put it in a package that'll yeah. make it accessible. We never talked other, about international, did we? Uh, just other than my like four like, minute four rant. Because I watched it. it. Dude, they retconned so much crap in there. Oh, yeah. So dude, I turned much. it off after 16 minutes. Well, we could talk about that one later. Because yeah. if I ha- that's one <laughs> of those movies that I decided I'll probably go back and finish. Just because if I'm going to shit on it, most likely the rest of my life. But I mean, you I didn't watch Captain thing. Marvel, so you uh, shit I on would that ar- your whole life. <laughs> uh, I would argue it's because I don't need to. I think you're going to go, you, when time travel is possible, you're going to go back in time and tell <laughs> your younger self, start shitting on this movie now. It'll, it'll, <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> the timeline, Johnny. The timeline. <laughs> It'll be preemptive. As soon as you see the first trailer, just tell everyone to boycott it. And be like, when you grow up, and you'd be like, I don't have There's to just, see it. My older self told me it's shit. It was, um, yeah, but see, I would make the argument, though, that I've seen the film based on all the videos and shit on YouTube. I, I would literally tell people I've watched probably 10 hours worth of analysis, breaking the film down almost scene by scene versus seeing the film. Which, one, is way more cathartic anyway. Mm. Because there's no purpose to watch that film. People would go, yeah, there is. I'm like, no, there, there's z- there are zero repercussions from that yeah. stupid film. and uh, Except that she retcons everything. The only thing really the of value is they introduce scrolls, but then they do that later anyway. So it doesn't Michael, really matter. stop it. Stop <laughs> taking me back to that MCU. Stop <laughs> it. Isaac, save me. Bring me back. Where were right. we? Where were we? We're talking about a movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking about show versus tell, right? Yeah. Show versus tell. We are in the scene with Mila Kunis praying with Denzel Washington over dinner. And it's the first time she's seen this. She doesn't even know what this is. Praying? Right. This makes no sense. Right, yeah. And then that leads to uh, the next morning her character goes out and actually prays with her mom and Gary Oldman sees that. And he's like, where did you learn to do that? And she's like, I don't know this guy. And then Gary Oldman starts figuring out, did he have a book? And so that's when he, he connects it and you put it all together. It's like, okay, Eli, the book he's carrying, that's so important. He's carrying a Bible and Gary Oldman is looking for a Bible. And um, this is why, like, I watched it the first time when it came out, you know, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. And then the second time, I just really appreciated how clever it was. They actually don't even use the word Bible until the very mm-hmm. end of the movie. And so it's just the book. And, John, that's that's the cross that you're talking about. He's like, what does the book look like? And he's yeah. going to read. Okay. He's like, it's got a symbol, and she makes a cross with her fingers. Yep, right? you're, yep, 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 yep. Yeah, and so it's just, it's, it's really tight how you're putting this together as an audience member about why, okay, we get the idea that books are important and people don't really read, but it does give Gary Oldman power. If you yeah. can, it gives you power. And then you have this specific book, has extra power 
that Carnegie wants to use because he says it's been done in the past. Well, yeah, um, see, and that was the thing I was about to make the argument. It's like the it's the idea once you've established what he's looking for, you're not only talking about just the idea of how powerful words are. You're talking about a literal thing that already proved it could it could manipulate or sorry to use that word. But, um, you know, but no, but, no, to, no, but to yeah. um, but to create a, a hysteria or a following and has that that power and that and that uh, that capability. I mean, it just it makes it so much. It makes the the thing that you're coveting so much heavier in a metaphorical sense it's just like or in a right. figurative sense it's just like oh the importance just it turned from a book to essentially might as well be a gold freaking brick in the eyes of a you know somebody who needs <laughs> money or whatever yeah I love right that. now in the movie because right, yeah. uh, i don't remember the ending like i remember mm -hmm. what happens but yeah, yeah, yeah. specific yeah, specifics do they actually say bible or do they didn't they just show the front of it and then you see that it's a bible they do say it. Do they? Okay. Because, so what happens is, uh, I think Malcolm McDowell's character says to put it specifically somewhere. I thought. Well, yeah. I mean, oh, so I I just watched it a couple days ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So basically, okay. Eli gets shot. Carnegie takes the book from him and goes back to his town. And then Eli and Mia Kunis's character they get to the the like last bastion of culture or whatever on Alcatraz Island where they're, they print books and stuff. Right. And so when Eli gets there, he says, I'm in position of a King James Bible. Yeah. And then that's when the girl okay. looks at him like, we lost the book. What are you talking about? And then he goes in and he, he has memorized it. And so then at the end it does show like it has Holy Bible on it. King James version. And then it says like Alcatraz edition or something like that. Oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because aren't they already? Isn't that even where the thingy is? The the that island or whatever. It wasn't. Was it on an island? The prison. Yeah, yeah. it was the island of Alcatraz in San yeah. Francisco. Yeah. Um, I was trying to think. Uh, crap, I lost it. Uh, uh. Oh, because <laughs> you said you because you just called her Mila Kunis. It was so funny to me. I go, it, this really stood out to me in the film. This is just me uh, nitpicking a, a moment that kind of just bugs the shit at me. I think it's half the reason why I don't like Mila Kunis's character in this film at all. Because other than just showing that he wants to protect someone, I, she mm -hmm. really doesn't serve really any relevance in this film. Mm -hmm. um, why is her name Solara? Like you have Eli and I get Carnegie's up there, but like we have like Carnegie doesn't seem that strange. And it's like Carnegie hall was a thing. So like him being up there, like a prestigious title type thing makes sense to me or like a surname. Um, just Solara was just such a try at a sci-fi apocalyptic name. And it just annoyed the Maybe shit. Maybe because she's like the youngest main character. And they were just maybe. like, coming I guess up maybe because you're naming because you're naming for that. But she's in a society with with a guy who's leading it. And he's like married or not married, but he's like enslaved the mom. Yeah, and she's the daughter of the mom. And he's so like he would essentially would probably choose her name or change it or do whatever. It's like I, I know it'd be heavy handed, but why not do something more like Mary or like yeah because every I'm, I'm looking and at that the, might be too on the nose but you know what i mean like i'm looking like, at the list or of make names, her name like dude, genesis they're all like, basic or like name her like genesis or like yeah i don't know i know it'd be a little heavy-handed but like 
Oh my lord, Solara just it bugs me every time. It bums me out. Anyway, I'm sorry. It's such a nitpick to that film, but it's like it's one of those things that like I praise this one so much. I need I need people to know that just because you like something doesn't mean it's perfect. <laughs> like, That's right. That's right. Um, um. Yeah. So anyway, you were talking about like manipulation and stuff, and I yeah, think yeah. that was a really cool part of it. Is it showed. Like, look, religion can be used for really bad things. And it does not apologize for that. It does not skirt around that. That's mm. the villain's main motivation. And you see that contrast, right? And you don't have a big, long dialogue where they're fighting about it. You just see Carnegie talking about this, will, this has power. This is the power to motivate people, to bring people together, and then I can control them. Mm-hmm. And then you see... Denzel Washington's character, and he has internalized it. I mean, he's literally internalized yeah. it. Yeah. He's memorized it. But he's he's not talking about why it's important. He's not talking about, like, morals or anything like that. He's simply just living it out. Right. He's not going out and, and trying awesome to get, like, a following or anything yeah. like that. He's just on himself. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you see the difference it makes, like, and and this is this is getting into the Bible part this a little bit. This is what I wanted. So, so yeah, right. Let's so, go. I mean, in in the Old Testament, because he hardly quotes his any Bible verses at all. He quotes mm-hmm. Psalms, um, and that's the famous "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want." Like every movie uses that, right? Um, in Psalms, you have this idea of the righteous man and the wicked man, and it's the righteous man lives a certain way. He protects the innocent. Um, he doesn't just jump into fights, you know, he, um, he's generous. He doesn't steal. He doesn't lie. So a lot of these, just this picture of like the righteous man is a good person and this is what it looks like. And then you have the wicked man who is selfish, who does jump into fights, who does get drunk, who does like, you know, there's all these things. Um, and so you, you don't have Eli giving a speech about this, you just see it happen. You see the marauders as the wicked guys. Well, and he even lets one of them go. Like, like yeah. he attacks it and it's like, he he does what he needs to do out of necessity. And I like yes. that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He tries to stop the fight. He like breaks the one guy's nose and then he's like, all right, I'm going to leave. Just, just calm down. <laughs> um, and and it I takes really... the dude's arm and he's still trying to go, all right, guys, are we really doing this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that scene. Yeah. And so that was, I think it was cool because I saw this when it came out, was that like 2010? Um, and that was like before I went to seminary or anything. Now I'm watching it after going through seminary, studying the Bible a lot more, being a pastor and stuff. And so I'm, I'm like seeing more layers of this film. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, that's like really cool that they essentially took this concept from the Bible of these two different characters, like the righteous man and the foolish man or the wicked man and never used those words at all in the movie, but just allowed that to play out. And like, here's a, here's the righteous man without using the word righteous man. Here he is. He's good. He's not selfish. He's protecting other people. He has this mission and here's this world full of completely selfish people. 
And I'll give you, um, uh, just to let everybody know if they're curious, uh, it's a 2010. So it's actually not even that far. It's essentially just about 10 years old. So, yeah. Um, no, and it's just, it, it's, it's neat because again, with, with the, the whole show don't tell stuff. And then like you get the reveals, it's like, that's why I always love the show don't tell because when you show stuff and then you get the reveal at the end, mm-hmm. you can, you can go back to something three, four, five, ten years, and you already know the twist. Mm-hmm. So now you get to start from the beginning with the twist in your head and <coughs> new personal experience, new personal knowledge that you get to take from it. And the best part is, is those things were written in a specific time. And then to see it's a really cool um, society uh, observation for you. Like people can go back and look at some, it's like, why the hell is something 10 years ago? So I could take almost everything from here and still focus it on things that are happening right now. Yeah. And it's like, Oh yeah, you can do that with so many movies. But the fact that this one has religion tied into it. So, I mean, it's essentially the driving force. Yeah. It's so strange. Cause that's not going anywhere it does not matter uh people you know i'm and i'm saying and for people who are gonna uh, the internet it's like i don't care which one you follow if one dissolves it does there will always be some type of ideology because people need guide people thrive for guidance not everybody Mm -hmm. but masses need guidance i mean you could make the argument that politics is for the people who prefer not religion you know what i mean yeah. People will look to a political party for their guidance versus a book or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But, so, uh, I mean, I, go ahead, Mike. Um, I was just gonna say because I just looked this up real quick. the The person who wrote this actually wrote uh, the Rogue One movie. Oh, oh, really? So, yeah. And then they wrote um, surprisingly the only good <clears throat> Star Wars one yeah. out, of, uh, out of the Disney. <laughs> and apparently, they're the writers on the Walking Dead video game, and then they the, wrote. The, the 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 Telltale one? Uh, it says the Walking Dead final season and Walking Dead season two. So I'm guessing the Telltale. Hey, yeah. I love those games. And then, uh, I love Telltale games. Those are great. But then they also wrote After Earth, the one that Will Smith did with his son. <laughs> I don't uh, remember that to, one very to, well. To, so to be fair, M Night Shyamalan had a lot to do with that did too. He? So okay. And that was during his. Uh, well, it looks like she originally wrote the the or he. Sorry. I don't know why I thought that was a girl. Yeah, I was gonna um, say I was like that. Okay. He uh he originally wrote the main screenplay, so then and that Shyamalan probably went back through and was like, "We're gonna change this, this, yeah. this. Oh, we need a twist at the end and this." And that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Movie was terrible. Yeah, but yeah. Go so on. I mean, I am uh, I'm like honestly interested what a response would be like like if book of eli came out in 2019 oh god that's not getting written <laughs> right dude it's not getting written because like i, I mean you think about this idea in, in our pop culture right now religion is not, not a cool thing to part yeah of. yeah <laughs> and the whole idea of post-apocalyptic is, is we take certain things in society for granted and what if they were gone mm-hmm. and i think book of eli gets into that is like okay it recognizes religion does lead to a lot of bad things. There's violence, there's wars that have happened because of these warring ideologies and a lot of hatred that can come out of it. But what if this was completely gone? Mm -hmm. Like, 
is that a world you'd actually want to live in? Well, because then, because then, the immediately the the immediate question to that, right, would be: once religion's gone, what do we replace it with? Because that is human nature, right? So, do we replace it? Do we go full blown? Everybody who's reading politics now, do we move? Uh, do we find a new ideology? Do I'm not kidding, and this is so not for the meme, but I think it would be poignant. Uh, you, people would take up something like the Jedi culture, something that already had 30 <laughs> years behind it with teachings and ideas that had already right. a strong following. And it's like people make those ideas, but they're like, oh, that's fucking silly. And I go, okay, tell me that again when you go to high school and we read about Greek and Roman mythology and laugh at silly stories, I, even though it did create wars for I eons, feel I've you know? seen somewhere online, it was a couple of years ago, that there was like a a Jedi church or something. Oh, there, that no, there is. Started. Okay. No, there absolutely is. Okay. And yeah. um, um, I believe they're actually even official now. Like, right. Like that whole thing, they're recognized. Um, The whole deal is, is though, that... um. It's another one of those things where it's like, you got to take the good with the bad. There is no good without bad. And I know that's a super hyperbolic statement, but like I said, I think I said it, I was kind of talking out of my ass, which I always do and always will. We both do. Um, was, and I think it was almost literally last week. I said, uh, humans need to scale. If you can't, If you can't figure out what black and white is, quote unquote, how do you know the difference? And people are like, oh, you're inherently. No, everybody knows that you inherently come in to the world, essentially just going off your primal instincts. You go for what instant gratification, and then you have to use your cognitive abilities to decipher. But without a, a, a baseline, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. And, and so like the idea is, is if we removed murder, if just somehow we ended up in a minority report and murder did not exist anymore, Right. Then what do, what do we replace that as the next bad thing? Stealing? Uh you know, uh, arson, right. is that the new thing? Um that you know, what would get you the death penalty 50 years from now if murder, rape and and theft weren't a thing? Okay, um writing something 1984 style. Right. You know what I mean? Um it's it is something to think about and again, this is why I'm a, I've never been a proponent ever that religion is inherently bad. And I don't think there's ever going to be an inherently right uh, religion to follow. I think um, the whole thing is, is that I, I think people pervert things and that's the issue. And we allow that to happen and almost it, not only that naturally they, move that way. Not only that they pervert things that there's some people that just want that power and control that they yeah. use it in a way that makes them almost like a god figure to the people that they're teaching it to. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's the it's the idea of if somebody else, regardless of whether or not people believe that Jesus was real or mm-hmm. anything like that, people aspire to that. I right. mean, what do you think a CEO is or a president is? It's a man who aspires to to be in control, right. to have the things he says held to a higher standard or like of a higher importance than most people. And, but the thing is, is once, once you get there, what character do you have? You know, what, like, who are you? What you, what are you going to do with that? 
And and that's the scary part is that nobody can predict. And people change too. That's even the worst part. Like maybe somebody got there and they were righteous and great, but then yeah. something horrible happens and it right. flips and it yeah. flips the, the thing. Absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Or you could be like uh Rohan and uh what a uh, worm tongue gets in his ear and <laughs> you know, he was a good man. Lord of the but... Rings. <laughs> Yay. Oh yeah, that's two that's two or no wait. King That's Thayden. two towers. Yeah, it's two towers. So, Mike, you don't know what we're talking about yet. Right over my head. Fucking get good, scrub. <laughs> yeah. Get so, on our level. <laughs> but, I actually I mean, John, bought those on Blu-ray too. Now, so I can yeah, watch I know them. you did, you bastard. He uh, he fucking I I because obviously you'll love that uh, Isaac if you're starting to go through the old catalog. Let me tell you, it doesn't. I'm I'm pretty shit at this until probably about episode twenty. Um, but uh. I finally berated him enough to get into watching Fellowship, and then uh, I listened to your podcast on that. It was good. Berated? You mean cried to me in a text message? Do oh, please every day. Well, because you're telling me it's like, oh man, I watched Tusk again for the fifth time, and it's like, God damn it! Like, come on, man. And then he would post the picture, going like, I bought it. I'm like, cool. Why to look at it? Like to just for stare what, at the cases. One? Well, Lord Two of the Towers Rings, and Return of the King. I had I had all three of them on DVD for years. Then I sold them, and then I got a whole nother set for free that I've had for years. And then I watched the first one after you berated me so damn much. And then I went out and bought all three of them on Blu-ray for like what ten bucks or something. So you've owned the trilogy three different <laughs> times and have yet to finish it. You're a bad man. Not to mention my parents have like almost every iteration of the box set. I just I <laughs> I don't understand how you could watch the first one and not immediately turn on the second one. I am so butthurt about this. I had to watch I turn them on v every Superman year. again, dude. I hate you. I hate you so much for that. Dude. That might be the most God. That's so anti John Hammond fucking rhetoric right there. <laughs> I haven't, I, I, you know, I couldn't turn on two towers, but Batman V Superman for the fifth time. Cause Zack Snyder's a fucking, Oh my God. Oh man. Dude, I gave my Isaac kids a choice the other day of watching a Batman movie or a Superman movie. Cause we have like all the original stuff. And I was like, mm. just pick one, you know, one wanted to watch Batman, one wanted to watch Superman. I was like, fine, we're watching Batman v Superman. They, like, both, like, yelled at me. <laughs> they didn't know yeah, I, yeah. Like, well, that's the greatest thing. You're like, hey, we have all these good Superman movies and all these good Batman movies to choose from. Hey, let's pick the worst iteration of both characters that happen to be in the same movie. Let's just kill all the birds with all the stones. Anyway, sorry, Isaac. <laughs> Fuck. I just, my soul, anytime. That's um, what this show is for, man. <laughs> that's right. Just Yeah, if you ever want to talk about Batman v Superman, you can have me come back. Hell yes. Because, like, I have an entire shelf that is Bat. Uh, that's DC Comics. And one shelf is all Superman, and one is all Batman, and yeah. then one is all Justice League. Like comic, so, actual comics or the movies? Actual comics, okay. yeah. Yeah. Nerd. So. nerd so okay well then just for the sake of it before we go back in the original because then we'll have everybody hate or like you and then hopefully we'll get you back on um batman v superman where do you fall because you're number three on this you're the you're the tiebreaker here i did not like it yeah get, suck it michael um uh. while i was watching it i i enjoyed it i was like getting into it 
And then by the time I got to the parking lot after the movie, I was like, nope, nope. See, there's nope. this nice thing, though, with, with society now that you guys are straight white guys and no one actually cares. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Uh, damn it! Really? Damn it! <laughs> um, I mean, I'm straight I mean, too, so no one cares what I think. So, right. again, to be, again right. to be determined. Um, so, so, I will say, I will say one thing, and then and then we can move on. So, if, if you're curious, my issue with Zack Snyder in the superhero movies is I feel like he goes in and he cuts out like the best parts of certain yeah. comics mm -hmm. and lights lines them up. And it's like we hit fast forward. And so you're hitting all these awesome plot points, but there's not really any time to feel the character motivation. It's just like a lot of stuff happening. Um, um, I will give you, I will fucking, oh yes. Perfect example of that is the, is the moment in the movie where the kryptonite has been taken by fucking Lex Luthor. He's got it or Jesse Eisen Joker. And <laughs> he takes it back to his thing and they're like, there's this big thing like Batman's trying to get it from the trucks and he like blows up all these people and does non-Batman stuff. Doesn't even succeed in his mission. Then the thing we'd actually like to see we don't get is to see. Batman swooping down off a monitor and he steals everything and there's a battering and a thing. It's like Batman like dropping down from the ceiling and like picking people up and doing creepy shit was what we wanted. And you're like, no, I, he broke into his high stakes, like lab, high security place, took the thing we needed. And, oh, okay. And cut to the next scene. You like, mean, what? You mean you basically wanted to see like the fight scene from kick-ass where uh, bat dad or whatever. His no, name cause is. I didn't like, I didn't really like kick-ass either, but <laughs> oh, that's you, great. That's that was amazing. great. That was when like run, what the Batman scene would look like if he. Oh, when he was running in. in with the shotgun and like going down the. the yeah, street. besides the okay. shotgun, because Batman, you know, doesn't use a shotgun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but see, but that's what Batwoman should have been. Sorry. Uh. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Uh. Okay. Anyway, oh God, we went from that. Uh, so we're gonna go all the way. back I will to say this though, <laughs> like even though I, I I like Batman v Superman and I can tolerate Man of Steel. Sometimes I think I just turn them on to annoy my wife because she hates watching it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will say, if you, after you watch Man of Steel, go back and watch Superman Returns. It makes that movie so much better. Yes. It makes Superman Returns better. That's what I mean. Oh, with Brandon my, my whole argument, my whole argument with Brandon, uh, the Brandon Ruth one, is if we just never got the, we never got levity. I, I was I, just. I, All the artsy shit made nothing to me because we didn't get we didn't get the fun quirky quirky uh, Clark Kent shit. You didn't get a lot. And of Brandon Clark Kent Ruth at all. and Brett Brandon Ruth. I'm sorry. After seeing him as Ray fucking Palmer in the Arrowverse, he would have been the best Clark Kent. He would have been better than Christopher Reeves if you were given him a chance. Is fucking a fight rumor. Me. I don't care. There's a rumor that because Adam is leaving, Ray Palmer's leaving yeah. DC Legends, that they might do a spinoff. Superman show with him. I I don't see that. I mean, if uh, you'd be lucky, maybe uh, they'd do something on the DC app, but I don't think. I don't care where they do it. it. I would love to see it. I just don't see him doing it because the Tyler guy on Supergirl is getting some traction. People like him. Yeah. I like him at least. I think him and uh, Bitsy Tillock, who's playing um, 
Lois Lane. But right getting now, to see a Kingdom it. Come TV show of Superman, whether it's on the oh, DC yeah. app or not, hell yeah. See if they did that. See and if they did that with like if he hits off strong with this and they just give him like a little like you know six or not even like a four episode right. series to finish out a Kingdom Come, I'd be fucking all about it, dude. And not only all that, about it. John. Spoilers: They wouldn't even have to cast a Lois Lane because she's already dead. There you go. There you go. <laughs> oh, don't worry. You spoiled pretty much everything, so I'm good. Um, and I, you know, I don't care. I'm always one of those people, like, unless it's like a major spoiler. Like, essentially, if we were watching Book of Eli and somebody told me, oh, he's blind the whole time. It's like, fuck. Yeah, oh, right at the beginning. Why? Um, but most of the most of the time with certain spoilers in a movie, I so don't care. If the, if the movie is doing it well enough, I'm so in the moment. I just... I, does not register with me yeah. mm-hmm. at most i'll be going i'm looking for the twist so now i'm now i'm already basing the movie on a technical level then then yeah. it's actually if anything my brain's enjoying the movie more because i'm so engaged at, like i know the twist so did they earn it or did they just do it for the sake of doing it i, I want to so. read this uh review like the tag review from rotten tomatoes for book of eli okay just because okay. it, it Gave me a little smile, but then I was like, eh, it's not that funny. <laughs> uh, from Paul ba- Burns on Rotten Tomatoes, which we don't like Rotten Tomatoes here, by the yeah. way. Um, I don't think anybody does at this point. It says, at last, an action movie even the Pope can love. <laughs> <laughs> can we put that Can we put that on the box art? <laughs> that is funny. That is funny. Yeah, I mean, John, it's funny, like, you bring up the the twist with him being blind yeah yeah and watching it a second time i actually that was almost like a like an extra thing to me like it wasn't actually needed i thought it was solid without it mm-hmm. and then you add that in and it's like oh man it's so good well it makes turn it you see all these scenes yeah. Um, there's all these times where I'm like, how did he know to look over and that there was a car there? How did he know to open the closet? But you, there's sound effects of wind, like blowing the car door. Mm-hmm. He smells something. And so he opens the closet. And there's well, the it's the apocalypse. You don't think about it. All the, all the noise. I lived in Florida for like five years and then I moved back to Iowa and Minnesota. Uh, now Minnesota is a little bit louder, but man, you go to a smaller town, you go, you go out into the outskirts and it's, it's almost creepy how silent it is. And you can, and then imagine having your other sentences height heightened to like yeah. smell things or hear things or do. And then, then the guy's been doing it for so long. And I can't remember. I did. He lost his sight in the flash though. Right. It implies that, but it I never think, says specifically, which, which might've made it a little worse. I would have preferred maybe if he had it since birth. So it would have made a little more sense. Um, but it also could play to his character with the idea that like he dealt with loss in a good way and this right. maybe helped or something. Um, oh yeah, man. It's just like, cause you think about that not only, but then it's like, Oh, like he's doing the braille thing. So that's another skill he has. And then on top of the fact that he memorized it, it wasn't even like, like, cause mo- let's be fair. Most people who actually, uh, like I'm sure you probably could recite, a lot of that book if somebody asked or at least like um if they gave you the 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 psalm or section or whatever you could probably go oh yeah that's whatever number 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 um i just love the idea that it just show it's a, just another trait 
of him. It's just like yeah. his conviction to learn it. Even though I have the physical book, I know I need to know it, and mm-hmm. it's important. And then mm-hmm. the fact that he doesn't have it. Oh, my God. And just the – like you already get the reveal that he's blind, which is fucking cool. And it's like immediately recontextualizes the whole movie. And now mm-hmm. it's like in a split second as a, as a viewer, you're like, oh, my God, I'm going through the whole movie. And like it's like having a – it's like – death you know like your life flashes before your eyes moment it's like oh my god there's everything and right. then you get another reveal that the book was <laughs> braille like it was the best it was so awesome yeah it was awesome Ugh. well john i know i know you're thinking very highly of my ability to memorize stuff i do not have a ton memorized but i, I do <laughs> think it was cool kind of like a historical perspective mm-hmm. um that that's what a lot of people did in in order to like back in Jesus' day and stuff, in order to be a teacher, you had to have the first five books of the Bible memorized in order to even make your own comments about it. Mm-hmm. And so that's how, again, it goes back to the pop culture. Today, it's like books, whatever, you know, like religion, whatever, all these people think it's stupid and stuff. Like, but imagine a world without the internet where you can't just go grab a book. People have reverence for it and they did memorize this like entire books and could recite it and people gave a lot of respect to that and so and you were talking earlier about you know like making up religion and stuff and and um i I liked how this movie showed too like there is something in the power of of words and even in the power of scripture you talk about different faiths have different scriptures um but the power of scripture and Gary Oldman is he kind of recognizes I could not make something up this powerful, right? Yeah. I yeah. need it. And you see the hope that it gives. Like when Eli starts quoting things or he's praying, like you see the hope that it gives um, Mia Kunis, you see and her mom and those things. And like, you see it, it means something really important to them. See, and I want, and I want to piggyback on two things because of that. <laughs> Is the idea that like, okay, so now we have uh, one, let's put stock back in writers. That's my biggest mm-hmm. thing. It's like, oh, I don't yes. want to read the books and blah, blah, blah. And that's fine. You don't have to. We have audiobooks. You can use the technology we have. That is yeah. fine. But where do you think that comes from? And that's the, that's the disconnect people have. It's like these comic book movies are insane. It's just like we need to alter them and change them. You mean the thing that survived – 30 years and they weren't even part of pop culture for those runs and they're still (laughs) important and and then it's like we just shit on the source material we shit on the people who um made them popular like that got us here and you don't put stock in it and then you see people half-ass it and just go no but it's because it's called a comic book those people will just read it right it's like no that's not how this works. Some people would go because of the artist. Some people would go because of the writer. Some people would go because of the name. Some people literally just go because it says Marvel. There is a there is those there are those people. But the reason why certain things gravitate and stand the test of time is because it's good. It's end of discussion. Like people can relate to it regardless of what what the package is. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, We're still doing Shakespeare for a reason. Thank you. Yes. Um. I would say that's why people – it was what I said – God, it was when I lost my mind on our Endgame stuff or, like, when I talk about Star Wars. It's like Star Wars is 30 years later, and why do you think that movie's being reboot right now? People mm-hmm. go, because of the prequels. It's like, no, no, that's not why. It's because there's still enough love from the originals that you let the prequels pass. 
because it didn't. Yeah. It, midichlorians hurt, but that wasn't too bad. We could deal with it. And then the sequels come out, and it's like you just we never even saw Han, Luke, and Leia in the same room together thirty years later. Right. And it goes if that does not prove how disrespectful this is that people just don't get it. Um, it's insane. That and should have like, been right in that very first movie. Like period. Shit, it should have, it could have been the first fucking scene for all I yeah. care. At least the fact that it didn't even happen is egregious. It's just insanity. But, um, I think star Wars is a perfect example of what you're talking about because George Lucas intentionally based it on myth. There's that the original hero's um, journey. Right, here with the thousand faces, right? And you have Luke who starts out as a certain way and he moves through all these beats and then he doesn't just like, ah, I'm the most powerful warrior, I win in the end. He actually makes this very like redemptive, self-sacrificing action at the end. Mm -hmm. So like, that's why it's so amazing. That's why it's still significant is it's telling something timeless but, yeah, in, but, awesome. in, but in a package that's accessible. And there's so many or, source materials for Star Wars, too, like where he grabbed all of his stuff from for the original three anyways. Well, yeah, and it gives you that opportunity to go, these things inspired me to make the story I yeah. made. And then those people would go, well, I want to know what inspired him because he inspired yeah. me. So it's like I want to go read. I want to go watch Flash Tom or the Flash. Um, what the fuck? I, I always mix up Flash Thompson and uh, Flat, Flash, Flash Gordon. Gordon. Flash Gordon, thank you. Flash, Flash Thompson's fucking Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> um, they use that song in Flash, by the way, on CW's Flash. Um, anyway, um, but like you know, like I said, Iliad. It's Beowulf, also in Ted. The, there you go. Um, Odyssey, like all that stuff. It's like there's a reason why we still talk about it. And then mm-hmm. it's like now you have the new ones come out, and it's like people couldn't even remember half the people's names in this film if you wanted to. Like it's. Honestly, it's, we were talking about the the one of the new ones when we did our diversity podcast, and I didn't even remember some of the characters' names. Yeah, and it's insane. And, <laughs> and um, and it, you know, and it, it's we're not we're memorable. In a, well, I mean, we're also in a society now where nobody's hyped for Star Wars. Like, uh, how did that happen? Like, uh, you can't even believe it. There's dude, nobody, dude, nobody. Are you kidding? You me? still have movie, your hardcore guys that are just like whatever. It's, yeah, that's not hardcore. That's so so different. Okay, not like a whatever, hardcore person a hardcore going whatever. is like is like you know he's he's down for whatever they're doing because a it's passionate Star man Wars. who's like meh. Yeah, but that's not the person. That's not the person that you're gonna sell to toys twenty years from now. That guy's gonna watch this movie and go, nah, it was pretty good. Yeah, and then yeah. five years from now they're gonna go. Wait, what? Well, as soon as they get away from the Skywalker family, those guys are gonna be out. The people that have been there just because they want to see this story finally come to an end with these guys, these characters. That's insane. No, the EU, ex- the EU books existed. And when they decanonized that, that drove people insane. Um, you had you had the Clone Wars were still a popular cartoon. You had uh, no, there's a following. Trust me. Uh, yeah, the Skywalkers are strong in it, but there's uh, people care about the Mandalorians. Are yeah. you kidding me? It's not just Skywalker. That nonsense needs to die. Everybody, can, if this sequel trilogy would have had nothing to do with them, they'd have been fine. Nobody would have cared. Uh, fucking Rogue One. Yeah. Yeah, Darth Vader shows up a couple of times, but you're not sitting on Han Solo characters and all these. All there are, are just repurposed versions of them. That's all. Yeah, I think the main problem is they're 
you guys have talked talk about some of the like Ray's not earning it, like you mm-hmm. said, and some of the forced divorce all the classic. Stuff, where it's like, yeah, we want to have an awesome chick, so we'll just throw her in, and she's all awesome already. She has no journey, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but they're also changing the nature of what the force is, and even the Clone Wars cartoons are messing with that. And I really don't like it. Um, it removes the mysticism. That's what midichlorians did, and that was really annoying. Because it was always this mystic thing. Right. There's well, some this... thing that's I saw for Star Wars, something about like that's coming after the next movie that they're going to be doing about um you know how they created the Midichlorians and all that crap in the prequels. Well now they're I'm guessing it's gonna they're gonna create something where people can manufacture the force to be within them. Or some bullshit. Shut up! Don't do that to me. That's what, what I've heard, man. I know. It's, but really, at this point, they already killed it. Last Jedi destroyed everything. Just it's wait fine. until they do the crossover of Marvel and Star Wars. No, unless Guardians they have the galaxy right in there. It's there the one. Go. The one thing I don't want to happen is the one thing that has to happen. You have to do time travel in this third movie and completely Ugh. decanonize. I'm tired Last of the Jedi. time travel bullshit. But you have to decanonize Last Jedi. Last Jedi completely destroyed this world. It just destroyed it. it you think that's how they bring Luke back? I don't even care. Keep him dead. Do something. I don't know, but you can't have because Last Jedi not only just shits on your characters, it broke physics of yeah. that world, like the the hyperspace jump and and a lot of the fight. It's just yeah. it was bad. It was just so I mean, fucking I, bad. I think the primary issue going on with their kind of good versus evil and the Force thing, um, and this is kind of an issue with superhero movies some too. Is you have this idea, they, they introduced this idea, well, the world needs balance, right? And there's gray. And sometimes the heroes aren't as good as you think they are. Sometimes the heroes try to do something good and something bad happens, mm-hmm. right? Like Civil War and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. And then like, oh, and sometimes the bad guys have good motivations, right? Or they're not all bad. There's reasons that they're bad. So you need a balance of light and dark. And I'm like, okay, you need a balance of light and dark. But... On their worst day, the light side is like some Jedi who are a little bit out of touch, you know, like they're a little too passive or maybe they don't get involved soon enough. Or they're like monks and it's like, I can't get behind celibacy or your idea of like suppressing all your emotions just seems right seems detrimental to the the human condition or right so so you're like okay there's some issues there i see i see what you're doing then you go over to dark side and it's like we're gonna murder and enslave an entire race blah 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 and i'm just like okay so like yoda's a little too passive so in order to balance him out let's bring in this like genocidal maniac yeah Yeah. Balance well, see, of the force. I mean, and it's funny you say that. One of the first arguments I'd always heard was really funny because they wanted Luke to still seem poignant as this guy who's like, well, the Jedis aren't quite as good as you think. And Ray's sitting there and like Ray is so fucking just reactionary to everything. This story could probably proceed without her even in it. You could have just sent Chewie on the Falcon and it would have been fine. And um, people are like, oh, but Luke's right, though. It's like the Jedi aren't all great. Okay, I get that. That's fine. Luke, I get it. I get it. Your side's not great. But they just blew up five planets. Can we just maybe take care of that? And then we can get into the, the, the fucking poetry of, that, of what you're trying to say. I right. get it. You're not great. Could really use you, though. 
Just saying. This guy's going to murder a lot of people, yeah. which he already has. And you're just like, nah. Right. <laughs> you run into that same problem with like Black Panther or something like that, too. God, where it's like, okay, did Black Panther's dad make some mistakes? Yes, absolutely. Did Black Panther maybe make some mistakes? Yeah, sure. That's that's a great debate. The, However, Killmonger is just going to go like murder a whole bunch of people. Yeah. He literally says women and children too. I was like, that was when you killed him. Everybody's like, everybody's like, oh, he's so sympathetic. I'm like, no, not anymore. No, he's not. <laughs> well, he needs it, he he needs a type of he needs a standard. If you don't have a line, like some kind of code. You're gone. You just either you you don't get it both ways. You don't get to have him have this somber end, like bury me in the oceans with my ancestors. You're from Oakland, bruh. Chill out. Um, I just well, we all know, right? The main hero in the Marvel universe was Thanos in Infinity War. He solved every problem, and then these fuckers come back in Endgame and just like. One, slaughter him, and then change and reverse everything back. And not only do they, yeah, they, they bring everybody back, but how many lives did they ruin by bringing all those people back? It's been oh, five that years. Argument. That argument's hilarious. Dudes got, you know, people got remarried. So wait, are they married to two people now? You know, people's, you know, their whole financial system's going to be screwed because all these people come back. With no money left. Well, we had to go back Social in time Security to get the stones. Cards. We couldn't go back in time before the snap. You know what I mean? It's so stupid. That fucking movie's dumb. Um, there are time travel could, rules to explain that, or, John. Come or, on. Or you could say, or you could say, Grand Moff Tarkin, like uh, he fixed all the trade disputes on Alderaan, <laughs> <laughs> just instantly. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just like. No, but Don't okay. Worry. And in, see, in the new Star Wars movie, they're I, gonna go back in no, time, and they're gonna and just was, kill Anakin right away, and so this nothing was a happens. This is the problem with a lot of movies. <laughs> God damn it, son of a Mike, bitch. That was awesome. That was. Awesome. <laughs> that was. I would pat you on the back through the internet if I could. Um. God damn it, that was funny. Um. My biggest problem is, as I was telling Hannah this lately, is like the lackadaisical uh, universe building and the way things are being written. It's like characters are being written as if they're watching the movie too. It's insane. It's like everybody understands what a redemption arc is or like being able to redeem. It's like, yeah, well, Darth Vader got redeemed after all the horrible things he did and blah, blah, blah. And it was like, well, yeah, but he still died. And on top of that, like, it was like the last moment to do that. It was like, and we also didn't like see him do all of that. We only saw him like choke out that, like that one dude. And I, and he killed Obi-Wan. I think were like the two big kills. You didn't really from kill Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan just like went into the force. Yeah. Fucking does like Thanos snapped himself. <laughs> and then, and then, um, um, he didn't feel so good. And then, but like you have Kylo who like your introduction is he fucking mows down an old dude who like knew his lineage who also had knew the map and stuff like why would you why did you torture him who gives a shit about Poe anyway you move on and then he kills his own father which you're like that's the moment where you go okay we're done he his yeah. arc is gone he's batty we move to the next movie and we're like oh no he can still be redeemed no it's like wait no. What? Okay, movie, you're telling me we can be redeemed. That's fine. We're going to keep going. We're going to redeem then, somebody who killed someone we had for three other movies completely through. Yeah. 
and we're just not going to like like let the Wookiee freaking rip his arms off? Come on. Fucking Christ. God, another good reference. And then and you have and then you have Ray who's like maybe and then he's like Ray, like I don't give a shit about any of this. Let's just go do our own thing. Let's, you know, go ship on a ship over in the shipyard. And <laughs> and she's like, "Nah." And so he gets mad again and it's like, "Okay, so he's just straight up bad then again." Yeah. And he's trying to kill Luke. <laughs> Got it. But no more redemption arc. And now you can tell the third movie is trying to set up that question again of like, is he good or is he bad? There are rumors that they're going to try and redeem him at the again? end. Again? It's insane, dude. Dude, just his like, whole this- character is, he's more of a pussy than the, the way they made um, the Antichrist in freaking American Horror Story become a pussy. <laughs> oh my God, that's funny. <laughs> it's just like, oh. Yeah. Oh, I mean. It my soul. Oh. It just. I could get like way into this because I have spent so much time thinking about this and, and I don't know if you ever want me to come back and talk about that stuff. I can. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like we're pretty much at towards the end. Yeah. We're pretty much all the way back. We've gone kind of full circle with um, ideologies, ideas. I mean, again, I, I obviously we can't stress enough. If you like sci-fi <laughs> stuff, go, go watch book of Eli, even, because honestly, I know how people are about religion and stuff. Like, like, look, again, take the good with the bad. Like, you always hear all those stories about, oh, there was genocide and, and horrible things. Mm. Yeah, but think about all the redemption stories and the things that keep people moving forward and and motivate them to do these no, things. And you don't even have to and, go with that. Like, I mean, people go out and in droves and watch Bruce Almighty. And that was more preachy than Book of Eli. So come on. But I'm like, I, you know, I guess my, I guess my whole thing is, is just like you have, um, you have the ideas of writers who who do all these things and they move forward, and then you have the idea of ideologies and like religions and stuff that give people a basis to kind of, I don't know, it just gives everybody kind of just, you know, the Ten Commandments seem pretty fucking basic. You know, it's like, don't steal, don't kill, try, essentially just try and stay away from your primal stuff because that's what really separates us from, from the animals is like society and cognitive thinking, like critical Mm -hmm. thinking. Um, uh, it's one of those things like, yeah, I completely agree with you. The idea of like, if it's gone, what do you do then? It's, yeah, it's, um, this idea of just, okay. So you know, I'm trying to think there was, there was the second half. Like I was talking about writers who tell these stories and they get underappreciated um, because of the source material. And, you know, think about it. Like everybody talks about Lord of the Rings being amazing. How long do those books go? And then you have game of Thrones and you just watch the dissension mm-hmm. from, from full characters and stuff. And people understand it. They just don't know it. It's subconsciously. A lot of times they're like, well, no, he would say, it. and then you get to think on it for a minute and you go, that doesn't really make sense. It doesn't bother me because I, you know, I'm going to move on to next product and go watch next thing and I'll get my whatever there. But what if everything starts to become that vapid and, and, mm-hmm. and, and it's like, did I enjoy these because they were good or were they because of the sign of the time? Or was it because it only spoke to me? Was it all subjective or was none of it subjective? It's always right. that big fight. And, um, I think, you know, we're always going to have that discussion, I think, especially when it comes to religion or politics or anything like that. Um, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing to to 
be forced to think critically and question all the things around you and come up with your own opinion and hopefully you find a oh yeah a, a group of people that mm-hmm. you know agree with you which would be nice but um yeah totally i mean i i like i i think what i get what you're, you're saying a couple things and one is that you appreciate a movie like book of eli that just kind of takes an idea and explores it to its logical conclusion and it takes it all the way to the end it and it actually shows hey this is really powerful you know you can be like Gary Oldman's character and just want to use this for power and manipulation. And hey, let's acknowledge this does give some good basic morals, like don't kill, don't steal, and be a good person and stuff like that. Um, but I, I think what I would say going beyond that is you do see that power of a changed life. And you see how Denzel reflects on, like he did have a lot of loss and his faith and reading this book did give him like a changed life. And then you see that impact other people around them is this does give them hope. This does give them a reason to live. I mean, I love that shot when the blind woman actually feels the, the Braille Bible. And like, you just see this like look of hope come over. Or her it was like euphoric. It was like this wave of just like, Oh my God, we can move forward. Like we can literally like, <laughs> There, there's a there's a chance for something more. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, I, man, it's just like, it's so it's oh, it's also good. It was just, yeah. it's just fun. Even if like I mean yeah, of course you're in a package with a, a sci-fi stuff, so they're gonna be there's gonna be some moments where you kind of right. like, what? but like right. So maybe to be a little bit balanced to like what you're saying is like you're talking about you liked how just they showed it everything and and I saw it and I liked how they kept it through to the end and a lot of times i mean like almost every christian character it, in anything is not very well written and they just say a bunch of platitudes like oh be a good person just have faith it's like well, what are you even talking about um oh. <laughs> it's always right and then this actually carried it through to the end and showed why it's so important and it didn't say like hey don't worry about don't worry about it just try to be a good person um I think it actually showed the importance of faith, the importance of um, not just trying to be a good person, but actually faith giving us the ability to become a good person. And hey, not everybody's going to agree with that or or like that. But I was I was glad to see a movie actually go after that and portray that for once. And as you said, John, watch it, agree with it, don't agree with it, ask questions, talk about it. It's okay to disagree. But I, uh, I think it's always awesome to talk about. Yeah, yeah I always and I always say with that movie, I, my my favorite part was because um, you can pull it back now and and use it. It was something I've uh, I've been saying and I I think I've said it to Michael a few times. You need the perspective, um, and the best part is is Solara is supposed to be that perspective for everyone. She's used to this one thing. Denzel's character is doing something weird, and because he's doing something different, it forces her to look at the world that's around her and realize that. I wanted something different. I wanted something more or something like that because just because it's what happens on the day to day doesn't mean it's necessarily the right thing and, and the way it should yeah. be. So I think that's great. I love this. I love this film. I think it's a lot of fun, especially going back at it uh, a lot uh, longer down the road. And then especially to have your, um, your uh, religious perspective actually 
um, brought in to kind of scrutinize that portion of it and give it a little bit more weight. I, I really appreciate you coming on, man. It was great. I really, really, really hope uh, <laughs> you can make time to come on again. It was it was a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed this. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank yeah, you. thanks, guys. I've been, I've been looking forward to it all week, so this is <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Cool. Um, so I guess we'll call it there. Uh, Mike, you got any last minutes? Last man? minutes? Um, I do have a quote. But before, Uh-oh. since you guys Uh-oh. gave your last final synopsis of the movie, and yeah. it was more in-depth, I'm just going to go fighty, fighty, apocalyptic movie, Gary Oldman. Check it out. Boom. <laughs> Again, there it is. That is the that is going to be the advertisement on the bottom of the poster, Michael. <laughs> Beautiful as always. Uh, so awesome! All right, guys, that was really really fun. Uh, Isaac again. Um, throw us a uh, be be sure to throw up some links in the Operation Babel group of of your sermons. I'm sure if people uh, people would uh, if they like the the crisscross analogies of. Yeah. Uh, of media to to religion i think that could be really fun and useful um so please feel free to share we'll share some of it as well uh again hope to see you on another one of these down the road and uh all right everybody go out uh watch some stuff please learn perspectives and uh later nerds quote of the day it doesn't have to make sense. It's faith. It's faith. It's the flower of light in the field of darkness that's giving me the strength to carry on. You understand? Boom. Johnny Cash. <laughs> you just finished another great episode of Operation Babble. You can catch every episode of Operation Babble on all your audio streaming services, including SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, and more. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Operation Babble. And join the conversation today by searching for the Operation Babble group on Facebook. Links also in the description. Don't forget to find Mike on all social platforms, including YouTube, by searching Mike Shrews, M-Y-K-E-S-H-R-E-W-S. You can find John on Instagram and YouTube via Bald Man Bad. Thanks and have a great day.